0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Tech in Conversation from the Technical Connection team.
1: Hi everybody, thank you for joining us again today. My name is Hannah Coffey and I am the Vulnerability and Client Assistance Manager at St James's Place. The purpose of uh, today's podcast, like others that we've done previously, is to cover off vulnerability. Uh, in particular, today's session is to touch on harm, um, how harm is is, is presented in, in our clients, how we as financial advisors and um, support staff within the industry can support our clients who show uh, symptoms of harm, and what can be done Uh, to help us in in helping them I guess. I'm thrilled to be joined um, again by Jan Levy from Three Hands and he has brought a guest uh, JP with him. Shall I hand over to you chaps and you can introduce yourselves.
2: Thanks Hannah, very good to be here again despite the topic of today which is a real tough one but always good to sit down and talk through these issues and help people understand them and help people understand what can be done about them. Um, so I'm Jan from Three Hands. We love bringing people in from charities who are, as we say, at the coalface of society um, and have them talk about their expertise and provide insight and guidance for us on how to support people, how to recognise when people are struggling and how to support people. And today's guest is uh, J.P. Purnell from the charity Calm. Um, and I, I'm not going to do uh, an introduction to you, Justice JP. So, hi JP, and I'll let you. I'll let you say hello and introduce you and and your work at Calm.
0: Yeah, sure. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Um, so, I'm uh, James Purnell, but better known as JP, from the charity Calm, which stands for Campaign Against Living Miserably. Um, we're a suicide prevention charity um, but with suicide it's such like a broad spectrum of of, um, issues that can go into it so we try and do everything we can to target the sort of more acute kind of crisis intervention stage all the way through to kind of upstreaming and trying to prevent people from getting to that space so you can sort of think of trying to tackle the sort of mental health that's involved as well as you know the the life events that might might lead you to uh, be at higher risk of suicide. Um, my role within CALM is um, uh, research and development within the services team. Um, so I help with projects that go towards the the helpline and web chat within CALM, um, as well as bringing in sort of uh, the most recent contemporary research and and how we can use that to to help help prevent suicide.
2: Thanks, JP. Very good to have you here. And if anyone thinks calm rings a bell for them, well, they're in London anyway, some massive billboard ads up around the streets of London right now um, with uh, really effective messages, simply saying things like stay. Um, uh, And uh, we're recording this in the midst of the Football World Cup and you've got Declan Rice on board as a big um, campaigner or advocate for uh, what you do, which is great to see. He's he's obviously a fan. That's great. Um, good. Well, JP, thanks for joining us. Before we get stuck in, I, I did say bef- before it's, it's a tough topic. I was just looking at the topics we've covered before, Hannah, and um, we've done podcasts on dementia, mental health, bereavement, unpaid caring, relationship breakdown, digital exclusion, economic abuse, and fraud and scams. and And, and to different degrees, they've all had their... Uh, elements of uh, toughness about them, let's say, um, gritty topics, some more than others. But I think today's topic, I, I, I think, is maybe the toughest that we have will have covered. Um, Hannah, what was it about this topic, harm and self-harm, that made you think, mm, we, we need to cover this off?
1: I think it's, you know, it's not something that's new in the world. But it's a little bit like I guess mental health you know we, we we didn't really talk about mental health at all previously and I'm thrilled that it's a much more um open and, and easily broached topic of conversation with everything that's happened in the last number of years you know we've gone from um COVID into being petrified that monkey box was going to be the next thing. And then, of course, we've had uh, the war. You've got the the cost of living crisis with all the inflation uh, things. There's, you know, there's a lot that's been sent to really try people. And even I think the most robust people in the world probably feel a little bit nervous and a little bit shaken and a little bit less like as confident in, in themselves and in everything around them as they used to be. And I think that is shining through more so than than ever before and as financial advisors you know I I know it's a there's a line that we can draw that says actually we're not clinical experts we're not doctors we're we're not anywhere near as clued up as JP would be in, in terms of helping and supporting these individuals but if we see the signs ignoring them is not the right thing to do we're here to make sure that people's um well-being as well as their financial well-being is is looked after and it's you know if you see the signs what can you do to help that individual what can you do to keep yourself safe i guess what support is available what things should we perhaps say what things shouldn't we say And, and where can we send our clients to look for um additional help was yeah. a long-winded answer, probably more than you bargained for, but hopefully that makes <laughs> sense.
2: That's all right. That, uh, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And I think what you said about all those external factors, all those things going on in society, I know, JP, you're going to have something to say about those, aren't you, and the way in which they can contribute to how people are feeling. The other really important thing, Hannah, I think I picked up from what you said, is that we're not simply talking about people who are financially vulnerable when it comes to being affected by all of the issues that you've talked about. And, and that's such an important aspect i think of everything that is going on in society right now the whole range of a whole massive range of people are are affected
1: absolutely and you know we'll have clients um but in sjp yes but of course in the industry there are clients that seek financial advice who perhaps just invest in their ISA once a year and then you have clients that you see a lot because they have a lot of different investments simply because somebody is high net worth or not perhaps does not mean that they're not experiencing all these emotional things that are happening you know it's mm. your your you know emotional and physical well-being is just as important to us as your um, financial well-being and actually in this kind of role perhaps you will see signs and symptoms that family members and friends don't see because they're too close to the person, you have that kind of professional ability to perhaps take a step back and think, you know, the client in front of me is not quite the client that sat in front of me 12 to 18 months ago.
2: As it's a really interesting observation, if you see somebody maybe once every six months or once every year, you're much more likely to notice the difference in them than if you see them every day um that's really interesting well talking of people we you know, as you know we often invite uh people we call lived experts to come in and contribute to our podcast as well and the people who've sort of been through it or are experiencing the issue we're talking about every day you know in this case we felt like the topic was way too sensitive uh, to do that um uh, these are really tough things to talk about but we actually have got some written testimonies from a few of the people we call lived experts which i'll get to uh, a little bit later but but Before we get there, JP, tell us a little bit about the factors and the triggers that might result in people self-harming or harming others. Um, What what are the kind of categories of, of why people do this?
0: Yeah, so if you think of, um, there's sort of different ways to think of, of harm and self-harm. So if you think of harm in general or harm to others is one, and then self-harm, um, it can be useful to distinguish between um, the intent of that self-harm. So there's lots of different ways to describe it, but if, for example, there's one that's sort of non-suicidal self-injury, which is a self-harm where it may be sort of um, a manifestation of of um, your struggles or uh, your emotions that... Uh, doesn't have the intent of, of, you know, um, ending your life. Whereas something uh, suicidal behaviour or also known as suicidality is more the kind of intent to not be around anymore or to to end your life. So there's a slight distinction. They don't live totally exclusively. Uh, You can experience both at the same time, but it can be useful to identify the difference in the two. Um, And both of them, I guess, are uh, manifestations just... just, um, Suggestions that there are unmet needs um, present in that in that person. So whether that's sort of like emotional um, uh, things going on, or uh, life events that, that are causing you to struggle, um, they're both kind of like the, the the symptom, the 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 manifestation of that.
2: Mm-hmm. And 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 so. If, if those are sort of different categories, I mean, I think Hannah's already touched upon some of the triggers, these external factors, what's going on out there? What are the circumstances that we're living through right now? But what, what would you describe as, as the most common triggers for these sorts of behaviours?
0: Yeah, uh, well, Hannah's already listed um, a few of them already. There's, there's kind of, um, if you think, think about, um, it's often referred to in a lot of different sort of mental health circles as uh, a stress diathesis model um this could be this kind of suggests that there is um uh like pre-existing uh like a predisposition uh so it could be th- uh, things outside of your control like where you've grown up or the sort of socioeconomic status that you've grown up in that plus any kind of current circumstances um that add stress to your life so life events like bereavement and and uh physical illnesses like you've mentioned or um, wider world things like the, the war in Ukraine and uh, now the cost of living crisis can add stress to that. And that equals sort of a, a increased vulnerability of harm, whether that's to yourself or to others.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and you told me before that one thing I've learned from you, at Khan, is that um, when big announcements have been made in the news, like um, lockdown, A new lockdown, for example, or or war in Ukraine or interest rates going up, um, which has a direct consequence on people's finances in that case, uh, calls to your helpline at Calm have also gone up. The real correlation, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, whether it's these big, important news announcements like uh, lockdown measures we saw um, sort of during 2020, each time there was an announcement made whether lockdowns were being extended or something, we'd see a spike on, on our helpline and on our services as a result of that. And same with um, like the Ukraine war and, and things like that. They They have sort of that emotional impact on everyone. But if you're if you're already vulnerable to, to those kind of impacts, then that can kind of lead to increased suicide ideation and, and therefore puts a strain on services like ours or
2: um, or others. Yeah. So tell us before we get more into sort of harm and self-harm. Tell us a little bit about what you've seen, particularly around people's concerns around finances and their mental health and their propensity to uh, have suicidal thoughts or to get into self-harm or, or, or harm to others. Would you say that is there a direct link between what's going on for them financially and then what's going on for them in terms of this kind of behavior uh
0: yes kind of from a micro and a macro lens so um the statistics from the 2008 recession, um, showed that there was actually a spike in suicides for the three to five years following that. Um, and that's a result of kind of the, the, uh, instability that came at the back of it, whether it's people losing their jobs or their businesses. Um, but even from, from now where it's more of a, a personal finance, um, situation, uh, they, they all add to stresses that can increase someone's, um, sort of distress. Um, if you think about the sort of emotions involved in in someone who might be feeling suicidal it's um, feeling trapped and hopeless around the situation that you're in so yeah this kind of like financial uh, situations have a huge impact
2: and you shared a story with me about somebody who thought he was going to have to sell his house because of financial concerns and that was having an impact on his mental health and had caused him to call your helpline um because presumably it led to suicidal thoughts i mean this is not untypical right you're hearing this quite a lot
0: yeah yeah absolutely um in the past few months we've seen a huge increase in the people who contact contacting our services with um financial worries um and yeah like you said that was that was one case of, of a person contacting our uh helpline who um was in several different difficult situations but as a result was um, considering selling his house. Um, and that was a way to kind of manage the financial strain on, on him at the time. Um, so yeah, I guess that, that kind of added to that feeling of entrapment. And the the, the workers on the helpline, um, their job is to both provide emotional support around what the people are going through, but also try and give some practical uh, ways forward. Um, and I think that probably will resonate with some of your your listeners as well.
2: And we'll definitely get onto a nice neat model you've got for that, actually, a little bit later on. Another thing you said to me, which I found interesting on the topic of harm and self-harm, is that um, some callers to your suicide helpline do appear to be perpetrators of harm to others. So what can you tell us about that? people are people are in, are feeling desperate themselves, yet they are they are perpetrators of harm to others. what What's happening there?
0: Yeah, so it can be uh, a complex mix. So especially when things, when substances are involved, um, like alcohol and drugs, um, people m- might then lash out and and cause harm to others and then also then be left with the guilt of um, inflicting that on people they live with or, or their loved ones. Um, and that sort of guilt and that shame can then also spiral into their own um, sort of feelings of self-worth. So we do get the people who are, you know, um, harming themselves but also the ones who want to get out of that sort of abuse cycle of being the perpetrators
2: themselves yeah it's very sad isn't it um i've got some written testimonies in front of me here and and we're not gonna i it's interesting i mean we put out uh, a message to people in our what we call our lived experts research community thinking we might get you know two or three or four or five responses um from people talking about their experiences of harm or self-harm Oh, gosh, I was stunned at how many responses we got. Um, I was just blown away, actually. Um, So we only picked out two or three to share here. But here's one of them. For me, the self-harm was because I started feeling like my life was out of control and too overwhelming for me to cope with. It was because of a combination of stresses from social relationships, trying to manage independent living, my personal health struggles, Exams and having lots of work to do and thinking about the future. I didn't get any help and had no one around to guide me. And so my self harm became quite serious uh, until my mum noticed a few months later when she came down to visit and I re engaged with mental health services. So that's obviously a fairly young person. Um, now she went on to say, um, I just said she. I don't know why I thought uh, it was a she, but um, maybe that's me being a little bit. Um, Uh, 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 bias one way or another this person goes on to say i think just having someone to ask me if i was okay and suggesting or encouraging me to go to my gp or someone else would have helped a lot so simple message there about having somebody to talk to
0: yeah absolutely if you can sort of pick up on the sort of emotions that that person's feeling potentially by some of of what you just said the, the sort of stress around the um reliance on social relationships in there uh, the independence of of what that person um may be or the, the threat to their independence uh, potentially from that um but yeah like you said that the the, the, the it's, it's not it's quite a typical it's quite a typical uh, bunch of um issues like one thing doesn't just lead to one issue it can kind of affect uh across the board of lots of different ways of, of responding to that so um the stress from a certain place but then it might affect kind of all aspects of their life so it can can feel very much overpowering i was going to
2: ask you how typical this story was and 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 you've kind of answered the question already not 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 untypical at all um i was going to ask you why people why is it people turn to self-harm actually one of our lived experts said um Physical self-harm is a physical expression of emotional and psychological pain. The pain has to be reduced somehow, and physical harm could be an emergency and or temporary release. Somebody else said, I don't think I've put it down as a testimony to, to share word for word here, but somebody else said something like um, uh, the physical pain um, relieves the emotional pain uh, and takes the mind off the emotional pain. Um, which, well, again, struck me as, as really, really sad. But some people might think that self-harming is some sort of attention-seeking behaviour, but that feels a bit like a myth to me, JP. Is, is that right?
0: Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, like like you sort of suggested, there can be lots of different reasons why someone might might be um, self-harming, um, whether that is uh, sort of an expression of of the emotional or a psychological pain that they're feeling um, could also be you know ways to feel more connected with your body or to um make that pain more visible but actually when you're thinking about su- um, self-harm and suicide attempts um the the sort of term attention seeking is is has quite negative connotations um, it's a- almost some way to invalidate someone's experiences um, Usually, these behaviors aren't with the sole purpose of gaining more attention or, or um, uh, getting sympathy in, in that kind of way. Um, but sometimes it, it can lead to that. Um, so, the but it's, it's important to remember that um, any kind of like self harm and suicide attempt is a manifestation of some some needs that aren't being met. So, yes, they might not be doing it too. Purposefully seek attention, um, and if if it recognised, that is is that is definitely something that deserves the attention. Um, but there's there's something else going on. There's there's something deeper. It's it's not that sort of shallow um, attempt at gaining something social from that situation. There's something deeper psychological uh, unmet needs that that person is is facing.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, financial advisors quite often have a view of family situations. And another thing that struck me from our written testimonies was the extent to which certain family dynamics and life shocks can play a role in people turning to this sort of behavior. So here's another uh, testimony. Unfortunately, I did experience a period where I self-harmed, where I self-harmed in 2017. i just lost my mum. I'd been left by my siblings to plan all the funeral and uh, pick, up, pick my stepdad off the floor. My siblings turned against me saying I'd hidden the severity of mum's illness from them. The next bit I am going to read out, it's the only bit where we talk about method of self-harm. And I do it just to give people a feel for what kind of self-harm we're talking about in some cases. But generally, it's, um, JP, as I think you've explained to me, it's not really done to, uh, it's not necessarily very positive or, or sensible or or, or, or Uh, tactful to talk about method but in this case I will just to give people a feel for what this person did. Um, I found myself cutting my wrists with a knife but not so deep that I had to go to hospital. It was a kind of release of the extreme upset I felt. It went on for months. I'd soak my arms in salty water and dress the wound and put a cardigan on in the summer. Um, So a situation where a family dynamic had led this person to, health, to self-harm. She did then go on to say, I spoke to Open Minds on the phone and gradually saw a different way to deal with the situation. A couple of my friends helped me uh, then. Uh, they were both nurses, so they knew how to deal with things. So, you know, the, this person was was also talking about how they went on and, and, and sought a, a, a better way forward. So we, we often talk in the world of customer vulnerability, we often talk about life shocks and their consequences, which can be both, the financial, um, and emotional, um, a, a death is, uh, a shock to people around the deceased person. Um, just, it just made me think of one element of, of, of death, um, from this testimony, which is the cost of funerals. Um, you support people, um, going through bereavement, uh, 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 as well as those with, um, suicidal risks. what, What have you seen, JP, if anything um, worth noting um, in terms of the emotional support and the practical financial support that people might need in in those situations?
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a a really um, sort of visceral uh, example of of the kind of difficulties that come with bereavement because um, grief can affect people in so many different ways and that can really strain relationships because you sometimes might be in one um, sort of aspect of grief, and someone else is in a slightly different aspect of grief. Especially when and when there's um, uh, lots of different factors in play, like finances and stuff, can really be a difficult um, area to manoeuvre. Um, but there are some really great um, support. support um, organizations out there so obviously uh use this opportunity to plug calm who i work for um because we do support people who are bereaved particularly by suicide or just uh uh, in grief in general um but also there are um charities like cruise who are bereavement support charity um and sasp who are um, suicide specific, they're the support after suicide partnership. Um, And those kind of organizations are great for not only to support yourself, but for others to uh, support you through that. So say if you you might be a a colleague or a coworker of someone, um, those websites and and resources can be really good for um, information on how to support that person. So whether it's just finding the right words to say or whether it's something a bit more practical, like um, offering a a place to go for um, sort of like local uh, counselling services and and things like that. So yeah, definitely worth checking those out because they can be both emotionally supportive, uh, but also quite practical for for you or someone you're supporting.
2: And we've got one or two other recommendations coming up as well. Um, Just to finish off this bit about family situations and the way in which they can be triggers, we had another testimony i'm not going to repeat it because actually this one was really too distressing i think to repeat but the one line i pulled out from it was the action followed a difficult conversation with a relative um and that was telling uh, to me and uh, and and one thing i think you've said to me before jp was that most of these behaviours go on in the home yeah
0: absolutely yeah if you think about sort of the 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 fraught difficulties of of um the sort of pros and cons of having a social relationship. So obviously they can be really beneficial um, support networks for us. But, you know, if there was one aspect that becomes toxic or the or the relationship becomes harmful in any way, then that can, as I said before, kind of uh, infiltrate all areas of our life. Um, so, you know, if you're at home and there's a, a difficult relationship there, then it kind of can carry through in, in all aspects, whether that's you to work or um to school or, or college or wherever you might be. Um so yeah it's it's um it's it's difficult to uh manoeuvre away from a relationship like that, particularly in the home. Um I think that the, the reason why these these can be the most difficult is because um they're the most important. So we rely on them the most, but also um there's a lot of stress that can come from being, you know, in your sanctuary,
2: in your home. And you know what, there's a whole angle we could have gone down with this conversation, but um, chose not to, and that was domestic abuse uh, in terms of harm to others. And we ran, a, we did do a podcast last year on economic abuse, which is, um, which, is, which is obviously an offshoot of domestic abuse. But that's something that we're not covering today, but we should be really, really aware of when it comes to harm uh, in the home. Um, just before we move on to more practical advice and support and what we can do to, spot signs and 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 help people i just wanted to flag another aspect of harm to others and this is a completely different tack um we did a podcast last year on dementia and cognitive impairment and and we all know that that is an issue that is on the rise more and more people are well you know living longer and aging and, and and dementia and alzheimer's is on the rise and here's something that one of our lived experts sent to us um My husband had frontal lobe dementia, which is often associated with periods of aggression and sometimes actual physical harm. It was scary. I had to call the police on a couple of occasions, and it is not much talked about because families feel ashamed. They also fear a possible professional solution, which may be a section and enforced removal to psychiatric ward. Yet, it is a symptom of an illness, very frightening to family and friends. And like most illnesses, there are sources of help. It is very embarrassing to admit someone you know and love misbehaves in a way which is potentially harmful and is very frightening." Um, That really struck me. I know it struck you, Hannah, as well, when you saw these notes before, um, I I guess simply because of the rise of dementia. Um, And I've actually seen it myself. Uh, My mum, who is 90 and who's the most charming lady you could possibly hope to meet, Sadly, has Alzheimer's and, and, and it's progressing. And um, this lady who, as far as I know, has never hit anybody in her whole uh, life, uh, does now lash out at her carer um, when it comes to anything to do with washing or showering or hygiene. Um, and it's a very different type of harm uh, that, to the one we've been talking about. But I think it's worth calling out as well in the context of, 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 of this conversation about harm um i think spouses and family members uh might sort of know that this is a possibility but others might be caught unaware i think we were caught quite unaware when my mum started to do it um and uh, so i thought that was just worth calling out um let's move on jp and talk about what we can do what guidance we can give i i think you know we talked about triggers and so on and so forth spotting the signs how would you go about preempting or spotting the signs that somebody might be struggling and heading towards this kind of behavior
0: yeah so uh some research that calm um did quite recently uh, found that six in ten people would struggle to tell if they knew someone um felt suicidal um so it's really important to acknowledge that it can be hard and sometimes impossible to notice uh that someone might be suicidal um, so if you have lost someone like you, there's, there, they shouldn't ha- carry any guilt with it because it people go through so such lengths to h- hide how they're feeling um, but there are things that we can say um, you might notice um, so again it's not an exhaustive list so it's not like an effective tick box um, but just to give some guidance so you know ups and downs in their mood it could be um, changes in in social behaviors like not wanting to hang out with you as much or, or um, just going to the pub after work. Um, It could be talking about suicide or wanting to die in quite like a joking sort of vague way. Um, And then just changing in usual routine, like changing your sleeping pattern or eating or um, using drugs more or, or, or alcohol um or things that are a bit more visible so neglecting themselves um so whether that's personal hygiene showering less or caring about their uh, personal appearance and then i guess the more sort of um i'll put in air quotes the more obvious um ones might be someone actually saying that they they're considering suicide or they've um or that you might see visible signs of of self harm as well um there are things to look for but i think it's worth just um in the whole thing and say it's, it's normally a change in behavior um you can't just say you know someone is drinking a certain amount and therefore feels like this um there's a lot of sort of uh, trust your gut instinct in in these sort of situations
1: jp if if you notice something like that so a prolonged a prolonged period of, of change like you mentioned or a, a kind of lack of hygiene a, a turn towards drugs or alcohol not getting out of beds all those kinds of things so you notice that in a in a client because obviously we're, we're kind of talking to financial advisors here although I'm sure loads of others can can get help from this is there a way that's a sort of good way I say in inverted commas in terms of how to approach it with an individual so to bring it up to say you know I'm, I'm not I'm not criticizing you but I have noticed and can I help in any way shape or form
0: uh, yeah, good question, because it can be quite an uncomfortable situation to approach. Um, we do um, within CALM use a model called ALAN, um, that's A-L-A-N, which stands for Ask, Listen, Action Network. Um, I'll, I'll describe what it is, and then maybe we'll try and um, find a way that it could fit with your listeners. So um, ask, so don't be afraid to ask, first of all, don't be afraid to ask the question, are you struggling with something, or be quite direct and say, well, you joked about that. Uh, does that mean you 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 have actually considered um, harming yourself or, or ending your life? Um, because the majority of research out there says that if someone um, isn't feeling suicidal, you're not going to give them the idea just by asking. So be as direct as you can be in those situations. And the L stands for listen, active listening, not judging, um, being that kind of, you don't have to be the solution to their problems. You just need to be there to hear them. Um, and then action, which is um, again dependent on your your relation to that person, is is setting some form of action plan. Um, so this could just be okay. So who are you going to talk to next about this? What can I do to support you, etc. And then the last one is network. So um, ensure that there's a support network involved. Um, again, from your uh, perspective, you may not be the right person to say, right, I'm going to take you to the GP, but what you can do is try and empower that person to inform their networks. So, oh, have you spoken to a close relative about this? Has, does your GP, is, is your GP aware of this, etc.? So I guess from, from sort of a financial advisor perspective, it would be to empower that person to, you know, uh, act on it and then
2: and then inform their network. Mm-hmm. It so sounds like empathy and reassurance during that listening stage is important. One of the things we've learned from other difficult topics is when people know they're not alone, it can help them to feel better. Just that reassurance and, and, and the listening ear and the empathetic tone that you might be able to adopt, even if you're absolutely no expert in the matter uh, at all. Um, I mean, Hannah, you said before, we're not asking people to be therapists. But I think this is a really nice model, this Allen model, ask, listen, action network that anybody could potentially be a be able to implement. Um, there are helplines. We talked about a few helplines already, haven't we? Uh, we've talked about the Calm helpline. And Calm, if you Google Calm, you're better off googling Calm Zone, aren't you? Because that's the um, the web address. You, there's all sorts of Calms online, but this is Calm Zone. Um, worth just calling that one out. Um, uh, there's Samaritans. Um, uh, NHS services run um, improving access to psychological services. And you've talked to me about that before, JP, haven't you? And that's one uh, useful signpost, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there's the, the Calm Help line, like you said. It's the calmzone.net. It's probably best to Google and we're open 5 p.m. to midnight. Um, outside of ours as well, there's there's a free call um, to Samaritans. Um, they're 24 hours. And then the, the NHS service that you mentioned, um, IAPT, it's normally um, referred to as, is the Access to Psychological uh, Therapy, which is... Um, You can self-refer. If you go to your GP, um, they'll most likely uh, refer you uh, to IAPT if you're you're struggling with something emotionally. Um, But you can self-refer via the NHS website as well. So worth checking that one out too.
2: Okay. Um, Open Minds was another one that was mentioned by one of our lived experts. Um, Any any times you should phone the police? Does it get that drastic?
0: Um, Yeah, if if someone um, would be in uh, imminent risk to themselves uh, or to others that's that's the time to, to call the uh, emergency services so yeah when there's when there's um, immediate intent to, to harm.
2: otherwise um, it's a matter of listening asking listening and so on and so forth if it's not an imminent uh urgent situation okay listen thank you very much jp i think what i've learned through this and preparing for this is that there are probably far more many more stories out there of this going on that i had um, possibly imagined um uh, and there are stories that you guys have at calm of people who've been through very dark times um but they've got through them uh with the help of Organisations like Calm, um, and it just felt to me that these stories can be really, really inspiring for uh, others with problems and and for those supporting them. Um, so on that note, um, where we can all play a role in supporting others and all help to spot the signs and all help to listen and be empathetic and 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 help people to um, see a uh, 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 see a solution. Um, I think we should uh, wrap things up. Um, Hannah, thank you um, as always. Uh, for the opportunity to come and discuss uh, tough topics with you and JP from uh, Calm Zone. Thank you very, very much for joining us and sharing all your insight and expertise with us. Thank
1: Thank you. you, guys. Very much appreciated.
0: The content of this recording is strictly for general consideration only. No action must be taken or refrained from based on the content alone. Professional advice must always be sought. Accordingly, Neither Technical Connection Limited nor any of its officers, employees or contractors can take responsibility for any loss occasioned as a result of any such action or inaction.